All right, so what I'd like to talk about in today's episode is kind of branching off a little bit, but I think it's important that people understand the different aspects of certain events that have occurred that people are maybe not so familiar with because it's not in things like the Bible and it's not in things such as traditional historical stories or historical recordings, rather. And this has to do with pre-Atlantis wars and how early humans not only learned astronomy, but how those influenced and modernized a lot of things that we are familiar with today. So first, let's start off with a particular race called the Arcturian race. And the Arcturian race are called that simply because of the fact that they are from the star Arcturus. Now, where is the star Arcturus? That's the, the main question, first off. So, from Earth, the star Arcturus is about 36.66 light years away. So, essentially, if you round it up a little bit, 37 light years away. And it is confirmed to be a group of ancient stars which move at a different angle and at a greater speed than other stars in our galaxy. And the Arcturus stream is thought to be the remnants of a dwarf galaxy that in one point in time, many, many years ago, collided with the Milky Way. So, in pre-Atlantean times, there were conflicts and there were wars on Earth, right? I mean, that, that's pretty self-explanatory and it's pretty simple to, to grasp, right? I mean, there's always been conflicts and wars and, and all, everything like that. And the Leonines from Sirius, who were helped by yet another race from the constellation called Sirius, engaged in a brief war with the reptilians. And I just want to state for the record, there are many types of reptilian races. There's not just one. And I know it's something that has sort of been ridiculed in mainstream media. But at the end of the day, I think that the things that are more often than not tend to be the most ridiculed are the ones that are probably the closest to the truth rather than other uh, species or stories. And so the star people from the Pleiades helped the humans learn many things. And I'm talking about the, uh, the Arcturians. They drew, uh, carved, or embedded using laser technology star maps on rocks at Karyong and taught the evolving hum humans astronomy. They also taught them how to make fire, how to cook, and so forth, which would sort of explain that, that explanation of progression that humans made so early on. You know, there's always been that question of how did humans go from being very primal to learning so many different things about astronomy and about physics and math long before it was thought that we as a species knew about these things and had information about these things. And so... Yalarm tells there were many cities and civilizations started by different groups of what were referred to as star people on Earth. And the Atlantis that Plato wrote about is under the waters we now call the Mediterranean Sea. And I'll get to that a little bit later in the episode discussing how it's very possible and very likely that Atlantis did indeed exist. And it was a larger evolution than many of the other places called Atlantis. So the Arcturians were described by Edgar Case as there being roughly 
three to four feet in height with bluish sort of green skin and three fingers on each hand. And this is not the only race from Arcturus. There are also tall white light beings that live there as well from the Zeta Reticula system. And these light beings, also referred to as star people at the time, have visited here and still visit and have assisted in the development of the human race. And I did a previous episode on this, and this may also be a referment to or reference to the tall white beings. So also did the star people from the Pleiades, who survived the destruction of the mothership Rexagana. They also taught the humans, upstanding hairy apes who became the, the being encrusted with the Christ light, the, the definition of who they are as a species and who they are as a people. And now, a question is asked about war on Earth in pre-Atlantean times. Now, before I get onto that, I just want to say that there is also a large proposal that suggests that Christ was, in fact, part of these tall white beings or had direct communication with these beings from the Arcturian star system and the Zeta Reticular system. So... Yalarm tells that there were disagreements which could not be resolved, so there was therefore conflict. There was also the matter of the upstanding hairy apes who had been encrusted with the Christ light and evolving into the humans. They were at danger from the reptilian races, of which there were many on the earth at that time, and they were in much danger, and the Leonines from Sirius, they came and there was a war with the reptilians, thought that no one at this point was going to survive. And these tall white beings were able to teach and lead the Leonin race, or Leonin, whatever you want to call. And there was also a war between the Leonins and the Reptilians, and that was eventually resolved, even though the Reptilians have not been known to be resolute in a lot of their their conflicts, if you will. And the star people from the Pleiades who survived the attack by the reptilian race on the mothership Rexagana, which was their, their ship, if you will, they helped with the genetic engineering and the evolution of humans. And they also taught the humans many things. And at that time, the upstanding hairy apes, so I guess you could refer to as the, the primal humans, were little more than gold miners for the reptilians. Henceforth, the kind of connection this draws back into regarding why gold is or seemed to be so important for UFOs and different species and what have you. And... I'm not saying that it all has to do with reptilians. I'm just saying that gold seemed to be of immense interest to many different extraterrestrial races, if you will. And the Pleiadians taught the humans how to make fire, how to cook. And there is a power within that that connects them to the source of what they call all creation. And... This particular part of it sort of branches off into the Dreamtime stories of the Australian Aboriginals that have kind of still to this day filtered down. So if you were to go to visit a Aboriginal clan, if you will, in Australia, what you'll find is the Dreamtime stories that talk of the all creation. 
And so I think ultimately that these stories could not simply have been made up by primal man. And even if they have been twisted through a sort of broken telephone type of communication over time, there's certainly something to it that needs to be taken seriously to an extent. And so these star people also taught the humans about the heavens, the map of the nighttime sky, and how the movement of the stars influenced the energy on Earth. They were taught about astronomy, and they made maps in the rocks about the different star constellations in the sky, which, to be completely honest with you, makes perfect sense, because when you look at the findings and the revelations that are being made by many archaeologists in today's day and age about, particularly in the last, I'd say, anywhere from 5 to 50 years, what they're noticing and what scientists have not been able to explain is the ability of understanding that such primal, or what we thought were such primal human beings had of astronomy and of the stars. I mean, just by looking up in the sky at nighttime does not provide you with the information that these people knew, that I, I guess would be our ancestors, that our ancestors knew, and how they were able to translate that to a sort of written or visual type of format and construct, meaning that they were able to write and draw on rocks in certain senses. And so I do want to say that with regards to Atlantis, the reason why it's so popular, at least in recent times, and when I speak of recent times, I'm talking the last handful of thousands of years, is because Plato described Atlantis in a lot of detail. And although it has been said that Plato had sort of made up Atlantis for the sake of him trying to get his point across with certain philosophical points and reasonings that he was trying to make, it's also been said that because of his understanding of a lot of things and through many, many different revelations that he found and was told about, he may have actually indeed believed Atlantis to be a real and legitimate place. And of course, because he's been dead for so many thousands of years, it's very difficult to tell. But Yalarm was asked about the place called Atlantis that Plato wrote about. And that place is under the water in what is now the Mediterranean Sea. And it was actually larger, larger than what Plato had described. And there were also other civilizations that had developed around the earth. There was a similar evolvement of cities by star people that in fact existed on the earth. And so it makes perfect sense that there were different colonies and different creatures and extraterrestrial beings, if you will, that sort of governed different regions or countries or whatever they were called at the time, provinces, whatever, in different areas of the earth. I mean, this sort of coincides with that of the Anunnaki proposal, which was that there were different Anunnakis in charge of different locations and regions and places on the earth. Particularly, it was very vast, and so it was sort of a way of governance of being able to control and what have you. Now, When we take a step back and we look at it from more of a current scientific point of view, 
it's debatable whether Atlantis even existed. Now, I do believe that it very much indeed existed. I'm just trying to play both sides of the, the coin here. I'm trying to be devil's advocate for the sake of providing both aspects to it because I don't want to seem like I'm just appealing to one side. Now, Plato described the ancient society in about 360 BC, writing that, in effect, a politician named Critias heard about the society through a game of historic telephone dating back to ancient Egypt. Atlantis served as what many have proposed to be the perfect example of a society that had become corrupted by its material wealth, advanced technology, and military might. Then, Plato had wrote that the gods destroyed Atlantis about 9,000 years ago in a cataclysmic event. Now, there seems to be an overall connection with respects to ancient Egypt, Atlantis, what Plato has described as the gods, and what we're finding more and more now is that, uh, particularly in the last handful of years, is that a lot of so-called gods very much seem to be extraterrestrials, if you will. And so it seems more and more that their influence on on the human race and Earth may have actually indeed been beneficial as well as not so good. But at the end of the day, ultimately, uh, because you're sitting where you are and I'm sitting where I am, clearly the, the human race survived, right? And so for centuries, scholars viewed Plato's writings on Atlantis as allegory. But that particular perspective changed in 1882 when Minnesota's United States representative Ignatius Donnelly, who was also a scientist, by the way, published the book Atlantis, the Antediluvian World, which claimed that, in fact, Atlantis was a real place. So since then, people have searched for the sunken remains of the city. In the most recent example, employees at Merlin Burroughs pinpointed a couple years back what may be Atlantis in Spain. And Bruce Blackburn, the CEO of Merlin Burroughs, told Live Science, and the company based in North Yorkshire, England, uses historical records and satellite data to find archaeological sites. Now, Blackburn's team used data taken from commercial satellites such as Landsat 5 and Landsat 8, which also supply data for Google Earth, by the way, just to show how uh, professional, if you will, it is. And they use this technology to, to find the site, which is located in Spain's Donana National Park. Now, obviously, it's a very bold thing to state, but everyone is going to have one of two opinions. One is that this great, large piece of land or former city that is now underwater didn't in fact exist. And then the other side of things where people say it's just a complete load of crap. Now, the question then becomes, what did they find? And so the company's researchers chose to look for the site in Spain after reading Plato's two dialogues on Atlantis. And so they also looked at another text, but they won't say which one. And they won't share that in a public forum because they expect the writing will be submitted for scrutiny in the fullness of time, but they do plan to reveal it eventually. So as of the date and time I'm recording this episode, what they have found has not been fully made clear yet, but clearly there's something that may in fact provide evidence. So... Text in the documents included Plato's descriptions that in front of the mouth, which you Greeks call, as you say, the pillars of Heracles, 
There lay an island which was larger than Libya and Asia together, end quote. And such descriptions led Merlin Burroughs to the Spanish coast near the Strait of Gibraltar. And there, the team found several archaeological clues, such as large circles that were possibly the bases of ancient towers, the ruins of what the team claimed may be the Temple of Poseidon, and a greenish-blue patina coating some of the ruins. And these were all things that Plato included in his own dialogues and writings. And the team also found the remains of a long sea wall, as well as signs of a tsunami, which could be evidence of the cataclysmic event that drowned the society. And the Atlantis cities, which are very detailed in Plato's writing, are really there for pretty much everyone to see and interpret and understand, which is why, in a certain regard, I can't fully understand the aspect behind why people say that Atlantis was fake and full of BS. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of people that want to believe it exists, but again, things of which I'm talking about right now will never make the mainstream media news because, as I've said before, that they're much more occupied with what's going on in, in politics and, and ridiculous drama between public and world figures instead of talking about things like this. And so... What they did next was Merlin Burroughs, the company searching for, the, for Atlantis, took samples of material which was likely human-made concrete, they concluded. And from the circle-shaped foundations and the possible temple ruins, what they found was that there was, in fact, a, a evidence of there being a former not just one structure, but multiple structures, multi hundreds upon thousands, which could have very well indicated the, the premise that Atlantis did in fact exist. And what the company then, then did was they gave these samples to a materials analysis laboratory in Italy, which dated them to between 10,000 and 12,000 years ago. And you see, this sort of falls directly in line with the timing in which Atlantis was said to have existed in. And although this is generally the whole concept and premise of Atlantis being a legitimate um, city is a little bit of hearsay, and I'm sure there are things that are made up, when you look at it at the end of the day, ultimately there's more proof that some city in fact did exist and there, was in fact, there may in fact have actually been a legitimate full-on continent of Atlantis the odds are that Atlantis did in fact exist. I mean, I personally believe that it did. And so, Merlin Burroughs isn't the first group to claim that Atlantis is located in southern Spain. And so, National Geographic announced that the network had found evidence that Atlantis was located in Donana National Park, as did a 2004 study in the journal named Antiquity. And so, It's no wonder that southern Spain is a spot of interest, as people did live there long ago. And in a new study in the December issue of the Journal of Archaeological Science, researchers found that humans lived in what is now Donana National Park about 5,000 years back, according to an analysis of Poland's and microscopic remains in the area's sediment. Now, this all falls in line with the general location that Plato has described Atlantis 
to have been in at the time. And although Atlantis was said to have existed prior to Plato's existence, it's clear that he knew enough and was knowledgeable enough to describe the details of Atlantis, which seems to be in directly in line with the evidence and material that is being found today. And so, if the dating of the 10,000 to 12,000 year old concrete specimens reported by Merlin Burroughs is accurate, then those samples could in fact be from the pre-Holocene formations, Valarius, Robles, and many other cities. And so, at least for this location, that date does indeed match up with an Atlantis-type society. However, assuming the material is man-made, the date takes us from a culture history perspective down to Paleolithic and post-Paleolithic times. And so, these are the times of modern hunters and gatherers, and as well as those of creators and rulers of an extensive agricultural cattle breeding maritime polity like Atlantis. And so, ultimately, at the end of the day, there is more and more evidence coming forward regarding Atlantis and the influence that these otherworldly beings or gods had made or helped impact primal humans in order to formulate such a diverse and complex society or country or city or region or province, if you will. And what we're finding more and more is that not only could this potential tsunami or natural disaster that sunk Atlantis may have in fact been the creation of extraterrestrial technology, there may have been some type of disruptance between the between certain beings and primal humans that would have allowed for such a continent to kind of disappear under the ocean. And again, it says something. When we know more about space than we do about our own oceans, I think the number is like something like 70 or 80% of our, our ocean is, is unknown, essentially. And so what we could find down at the very bottom or the evidence we could find in addition to what we've already found, is something that I think is only just sitting there waiting for us to explore it. And so the idea that Atlantis was a mid-Atlantic continent that you know suddenly sunk into the ocean may not have been such a radical idea after all. I mean, you know, scientifically it's hard to to debate with because it's been argued that it's very difficult for continents to or pieces of land to suddenly fall and collapse and and be under sea level or slowly transition to being under sea level after such a short amount of time or such a long period of time but at the end of the day we have to consider the fact that because of what we're starting to learn with regards to the technologies and knowledge that these primal humans that don't seem so primal based on the knowledge they have anymore what they knew it only helped it only pushes us to think what exactly influenced 
such a massive undertaking of such a large city to collapse. Could it have been natural? Or maybe it was not. And so ultimately, it has also been theorized that Atlantis was indeed swallowed up by the Bermuda Triangle. But at the end of the day, that's also something that may indeed collide with the, with the extraterrestrial proposal, which is that there is a large proposal that UFOs are constantly coming and going and have been witnessed many times over coming and going from the Bermuda Triangle location, which seems to be some sort of teleportation-like city, if you will, or, or whatever the case is. And so at the end of the day, that I'll save that for another episode, but I mean, the fact that it could have been swallowed up by the Bermuda Triangle and the fact that we don't know what the hell is in that Bermuda Triangle to the, today's day and age just goes to show what, how much we don't know. So for it to be immediately shot down and disproven by science that Atlantis didn't exist, I think would be very like willfully ignorant, if you will. And so ultimately, I may do another episode on this, but I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts and uh, theories on what happened with respects to Atlantis. So aside from that, we will catch you guys next time. And thank you very much for listening or watching, depending which platform you're on. If you're on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, feel free to subscribe and uh, rate the show. And if you're on YouTube, please subscribe, like, comment, the whole thing. Thank you, guys.